Well, Oregon takes on Hawaii tomorrow at Autzen Stadium, but the Ducks need to focus on playing the Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're getting closer to 3,500 on YouTube. So let's make it happen. I mean, why not? To the moon we go. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Got my guy Zach Neal on the show for the first time. Host of this Going Long a podcast. Ducks Wire, managing editor over there at USA Today to talk about uh, Hawaii and the Ducks and uh, some mailbag coming up later in the show. Uh, Zach, is it not just a glorious time to be able to talk about uh, football for like 80% of the content that we put out again? It's quite nice, isn't it? Yes, it's been really nice to focus on, you know, the the games taking place on the field and, and practices instead of all of this conference realignment stuff. And I'm personally looking forward to hopefully a weekend where it's a little bit more stress-free than it was a week ago. So hopefully we get to put away our blood pressure pressure medications and just kind of enjoy a nice afternoon of football. Yeah, I, I am with you there. I think every Oregon fan really is in that mode. Um, I mean, after that game ended, within 10 minutes, I'd had the thought, I'm so glad we have Hawaii next week. Like, I can't, I can't take this back-to-back weeks. Uh, and, and thankfully, Oregon's schedule actually kind of works out that way throughout the year. It should be like a really, really tight competitive game and then one where the Ducks should, in theory, be able to win uh, uh, comfortably. But certainly not as much as they should uh, going into this matchup with uh, the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii, who are under second-year head coach uh, Timmy Chang. I, I've been talking all week, Zach, about that, you know, Oregon needs to focus on Oregon things this week. Hawaii should not be able to match up with them in the trenches, uh, in the secondary, really, with Hawaii's secondary and Oregon's weapons. Like, the offense should cruise. The defense should be able to get some stops. Though there, there are certainly a couple players who I, I think are, have been quite good uh, to this point for, for Hawaii. But as you look at this matchup for, for the Ducks, what do you want to see from Oregon to make us feel good going into a top 25 showdown with Colorado next week? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's this is a, a really good game to to lead into that conference schedule for Oregon because this is the last chance for them to really clean up all of their mistakes. And we saw a lot of those mistakes last week. I mean, I feel that like we can say that they're a little bit fortunate to get out of Lubbock with a the win. There was, that could have easily been a loss for a lot of teams, but um, credit to them for, you know, getting back on the horse and, and really not letting those mistakes and those penalties throughout the game keep them down. But this is the chance we're at home. you got a favorable crowd in front of you. You've got a team where, you know, they're, like you said, there are some players, there are some things that they do offensively that are going to test Oregon. I mean, they're, Hawaii is a really good passing team. They've got a, a solid quarterback. They've got a couple of really, really good wide receivers who I'm sure we could talk about. But this is a chance for Oregon to say, hey, we're going to go into this game. We're going to have fewer than five penalties, I think, would be a win. We're going to have no procedural penalties um, no after the whistle penalties stuff like that and then you know the number one 
goal going in, into any game is to get out healthy. And um, in a game like this, you want to be able to rest your starters in the second half, hopefully, hopefully, um, and just get some experience for those young guys as well. But I think if Oregon can focus on those few things going into this game, they'll be feeling pretty good going into that Pac-12 slate. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I like the no injuries part of it as well. I'm curious to see, do, do you know if Justin Jacobs is going to play at linebacker? Because we've seen Bryce Betcher, which came as a surprise to a lot of people, yeah. myself included. I mean, he was a safety in the spring game, yeah. but then they, they've they bulked him up. He's playing more than, I think, Connor Soley a little bit. I haven't looked at the snap counts. They've at least been playing the, the same amount. It feels like once Jacobs comes back, he'd be a starter there. But, I mean, I mean, do we know? I think that's fair to say that when he does come back, he will be that kind of missing. I don't want to say missing piece because that sounds like Betcher's been playing poorly or Soli's been playing poorly. They've been playing well, but I don't think either of them are have the upside that Justin Jacobs does. I would be surprised, honestly, if we saw him play this week. He missed practice on Tuesday. He was at practice uh, yesterday, but still wearing trainers, not cleats. So he's still kind of ramping up from that knee injury suffered last year. Um, I would be shocked if we saw him this week. Hopefully we get him week four against Colorado and he can be healthy for the, the season going forward. But um, I have not seen enough from him so far in practice to think that he's actually going to play in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for him to be able to at least have a few game reps this week. So his first game reps aren't against Colorado because that's going to be getting thrown into the fire, certainly more than a lot of us, myself included, thought in uh in in the preseason like that's Isn't that a wild statement to make <laughs> what <a laughs> time. Just, i can't i can't what believe a, what we're a, saying that about colorado yeah what what a time to be alive and now they're talking about i was listening to colin coward the other day and he said uh that jerry jones is now pumping yeah. up dion and i'm just like oh my gosh dion okay. coaching the dallas cowboys that that would be a that'd be let's that'd just be a, let's much. see colorado play a good yeah. team First, let's take a breath. I think TCU then. was a good. I think TCU was a good, not great, but a good team on the road, yeah, and they shouldn't fine. have won that game, and they did. But um, let's see them play the Pac-12 because Pac-12 is really, really good. But so far, uh, they've surpassed my expectations and been yeah. uh, excellent. But Agreed. that matchup uh, comes comes next week, and, and you know, one thing that uh, I think a lot of people are looking for again in this game, and I talked about it here on the show before the season that. Uh, this this is an expectation that Ty Thompson should be able to play again this week. Now, he, he showed signs of growth. Granted, it was against Portland State. Valid. But I've seen him against a similar level of competition not look as good as he did previously. Oregon's a 37.5-point favorite here, Zach. Ty Thompson should get into the game. The offense should cruise. Hopefully, he gets a full quarter. Hopefully, as well. One thing I liked about the Portland State game is the way they called plays for him. It looked more like the normal offense. They let him throw it down the field. It wasn't just screen passes and handoffs. It was a part of it, as it is with any offense. But I think Ty Thompson will get into the game. And if he shows, again, that you know he's made a step forward, I think that has to give Duck fans at least uh, an opening to the possibility of this could be a starting quarterback in 2024, when to this point, he hasn't looked like he's capable of that. Yeah, I agree. And this will be a it'll be another test. I mean, we're not going to see one single performance or one game from Ty Thompson that makes it click in everyone's mind that, oh, yes, this is this is the guy. But what we need is, you know, he needs to stack performances on top of performances. He did decently in the spring game. I think we felt pretty good about him then. He looked really good against Portland State week one, seven for eight passing, one touchdown, looked really comfortable in the offense. He just looked like he was able to, you know, actually 
uh, command the offense and, and check down and, and not make the poor plays that we've seen in the past, not really try and force things. That's more of what I want to see from him on Saturday, hopefully in the second half. I would love to see if we got, you know, if he could get four or five drives together and have more than eight pass attempts, you know, get somewhere up between 15 to 20 pass attempts. I think that'd be awesome. He showed that he could run a little bit. He's, a, I mean, he's an incredibly athletic quarterback. Um, I just think we need to continue to see these nice performances from him. And, um, you know, after this game, I don't think because of the strength of the Pac-12 this year, I don't know how much we'll see him after this week. I mean, going into the season, you would have thought, oh, yeah, we'll see him against Colorado and Cal and <laughs> Arizona State and Arizona. I don't know. Those might be not tough games, but tougher games that don't, aren't over by halftime. So um, I'm going into this game expecting this may be one of the last times we see Ty Thompson of the year. Um, hopefully it is because I hope that, you know, nothing happens to, to Bo where he, where Thompson has to play, but um, you know, I, I feel really confident about Ty after the Portland state game. I would just like another really clean, confident performance from him because yeah, going into next year, Bo's gone. It'll be Ty's spot to lose. I think when you look at the other quarterbacks on the roster, uh, maybe bring in a, a transfer portal quarterback, they've got a couple of recruits coming in, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of competition for that, but he's shown so far that he, I think has the skill to be that guy. We just need to see him be consistent and mistake free. I, I like what you said about, he can't win the 2024 starting job, but he can kind of, you know, put another data point on his resume as to like, Hey, this is something that, that you should be aware of. I think the Portland state game was a feather in his cap. I think first half of the spring game, not so good. Second half, very, very good. Uh, so just con continuing to see his progression, I'll, I'll definitely be watching for that. Hawaii, though, brings a, uh, a vaunted passing attack, just like LinkedIn Jobs brings a vaunted attack to you going to get the qualified candidates for your next opening. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors for a reason. It's really easy. Go in, create a free job post, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free terms and conditions to apply. Now, Zach, you're new here. What we what we did right there is called the second segment sip, which is so vital because halfway through the live read, I was starting to lose it a little bit. And that just like gives me this refreshing moment to just there you go. Just calm, That's collect, great. get rid of the dry mouth and such, and move yeah. on to talking about uh, Hawaii here. They're going to throw the football. They're, they're going to throw the football. When they are done throwing it, they're going to throw it a little bit more. And then once they finish throwing it for the second time, they're going to think about running but decide to throw it anyway. Yeah. So their quarterback, uh, a guy who Oregon fans will know by the end of the day, Braden Shager, uh, has attempted 35 passes in a game this year. That's the fewest pass attempts in any of his games. His pass attempts go 35, 53, 40. So it's going to look different than the uh, the Texas Tech offense a little bit last year, or last week rather, that I thought ran the ball a pretty decent amount. Shager wants to throw it. And, and by the way, 
This is a non-zero test. It's not the biggest test Oregon will face this year, of course, but this is a non-zero test for the Oregon secondary because Shager can spin it, and against two low-level Power 5 opponents this year, Stanford and Vanderbilt, he's thrown for over 700 yards through the air. Like If Oregon goes out and holds him under 200 yards passing, that is a big feather in the cap for Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoi's defense. Yeah, I agree. We were doing a, an offensive preview on Ducksquire earlier this week, and they said that, we said that, you know, option one through three for their offense is to throw the ball. Option four is to throw <laughs> the ball deep. I mean, it's this is a, a team that really is, they don't run the ball very much. They've got, uh, I think, two running backs that have even legitimate attempts. But, um, yeah, they are, I mean, Shager already has 972 passing yards on the season through three games. Uh, Ten touchdowns, five interceptions. So he he does put the ball, I don't want to say at risk every now and again, but, like, you know, he's he's not the the perfect check down quarterback he's gonna he's gonna try and and fit it into some windows before so i think that oregon can actually absolutely take advantage of that but um really the guys who are the guy who impresses me the most on this this hawaii offense is uh pofele ashlock i think i'm saying that first name yep correctly so. uh red shirt freshman wide receiver he's got 19 receptions 315 yards so far and three touchdowns through these three games. So um, he's coming to kind of someone I was talking to other beat reporters when we were waiting for practice the other day that he's someone that it would not surprise me at all if in a year or two he's playing for Michigan or Ohio State or someone that's not Hawaii, all respect to Hawaii, but this is a really, really talented player. I could absolutely see him going in the transfer portal to um, some higher profile school because he's, a, I think he's shown the makings of a future NFL wide receiver. So um, yeah, they they throw the ball a lot. It's going to be a really good test for Oregon secondary because we saw them. They didn't get tested at all against Portland State. They got tested a little bit last week against Texas Tech. I think they performed pretty well. Obviously, take away those those pass interferences. I think they did okay. Um, you know, but that's a, another thing where we've shown they've got a propensity to. Lanning said this week the defenders would panic in those those jump ball scenarios, contested catch scenarios, and they would panic and and cause some pi. This they'll have a chance to prove that this week that they got better at that, um, which I think that if they if like you said holding them under two hundred yards, that's incredible passing. If you can hold them under three hundred yards passing, I think you still feel feel pretty good about it. Um, but yeah, like the, I think this is that's probably one of the best things about this game is the secondary is going to really be tested. And that's good because there's going to be a lot of passing in the Pac-12 this year. And that secondary is going to be able to, you know, to hold up, hopefully. Yeah, I, I think in the realm of lower level G5 opponents like Hawaii is, they're a rebuilding Mountain West program at, at the moment. And one that, you know, historically has struggled to find success. They've, of course, had a couple of flashes. Uh, you know, the, I think their last 10 win season was a few years ago uh, with, mm -hmm. with Nick Rolovich. He had success there and then went to Washington State and then that, you know, fizzled out and we don't need to go into that. But uh, the Colt Brennan days, I remember that very, very well. But this is not, mm -hmm. you know, a Fresno State, a Boise State, you know, a program that historically has been a thorn in the side for Power 5 schools. It's one that, you know, has gone around playing games against uh, Power 5 opponents. And for the most part, they've just been collecting their paychecks and then, you know, moving on uh, to, to get ready for, for conference play. But they don't run the football much. They're leading ball carrier through three games, 76 yards. Yeah. Not, not great. They allowed 37 points, I believe it was, uh, in their game against Stanford. Um, Stanford, who went and lost 56-10. to 10. Uh, on the road against USC. 
So that gives you an idea of where Hawaii is, why Oregon is such a big favorite in this game. I don't think they'll have any issues, but like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's Oregon kind of uh, against Oregon, right? Is it, is that, that that's that's where this game is at? Is like clean up the penalties, be better on the offensive line, get the ground game going. Well, you can also add in that Hawaii lost their best defender this past week, Logan Taylor. Uh, they're I think mm-hmm. is a middle linebacker. They're they're highest production guy on defense is out for the season with i think a torn acl um so yeah like you said there's there's no reason at all that this game should be close if oregon is as good as we think they are obviously there's still questions about that particularly on defense um but i think this is also i mean we've talked about the defense the need to show something there this is also a really good get right opportunity for the offense because um i was a little bit concerned about the offense against against texas tech they didn't score any touchdowns between the second and third quarter. They didn't score mm-hmm. any points in the third quarter. It got a little bit stagnant there. So um, it's it's way too small of a sample size to say anything about uh, Will Stein compared to Kenny Dillingham. I'm not saying he's not a good coordinator. I just want to see more. You know, this is a time where uh, I don't think points are going to be hard to come by. I'm excited to see them just blow the roof off of. I want to. I want to see them. You know, break that foghorn at Autzen and just have it going all day long and just put up, you know, I don't think they're going to put up 81 like they did against Hawaii. Is it possible? Absolutely. Um, against but Portland I think, State, you, know, you mean? Or, yes, against Portland State, yeah. sorry. Um, I could, they be in the that, fi- could they be in the 50s? Yeah, I could absolutely see a game yeah. in, the, in the 60s or something because this, you know, this is a prolific offense when it's clicking. And I think that Hawaii does not have a defense that can either even come close to standing up against them. So, yeah, in, in both senses, uh, defense and offense, I think it's a really good get-right opportunity. Yeah, I've, I've got Oregon. I wrote over at uh, 750 the game in my, my, my preview uh, that I think Oregon gets it done uh, 59-17. Uh, I say yeah. that because, you know, Ashlock and, and, and Shager, th- those guys against Power 5 competition, I know it's Stanford and Vanderbilt, but still – they're not just putting up like 60 yards and a touchdown. Like Ashlock was over a hundred yards in both of those games. Shager was over 300 in, in both of those games. Like the, these guys know how to throw the football and that's what they're going to do. Um, but I, I don't think Oregon should have any issue that I think it's a, it's a rare game, Zach, where I would be okay with Oregon taking the ball first. If they won the toss to just kind of set the tone at home. Usually I'm always a proponent kick kick and play that game before the half of getting back-to-back possessions. Oregon did that many times last year when they were such a good middle eight football team, last four of the second quarter, mm-hmm. first four of the third. But I'd be okay if they just jump out to a 7 nothing lead um, and and then see if that you know energizes your defense to come out and, uh, and, and, and get a stop. We have more to get to, most notably uh, some mailbag questions, including one for you specifically, Zach. You are such a, okay. a celebrity here Excited. at Locked on Ducks. So there is a <laughs> Zach Neal-specific question uh, that has been asked. I have one for all of you, though. Why haven't you checked out FanDuel yet? Like, what are you waiting for? It's America's number one sports book, and you can get ready for the NFL season, which is underway. Or if you want to bet college football, you can do that as well. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. 
Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. If you want to bet Oregon minus 37.5, you may do so at FanDuel. Do so at your own uh, discretion. I'm not going to tell you which side of a 37.5 point spread to bet. I, w- I would lean towards the Ducks, given my prediction, but I mean, that's, that's a lot of points in a world where the, the clock... What, what's the over under? I have not... 68.5. Last I saw, sixty-eight. Yep, si- yep, sixty-eight and a half. I would go over that. I would probably go over that. I because I think Oregon can score a lot, a lot of points. Oregon here. can score sixty-eight themselves. Uh, they <laughs> are. They are capable. We'll we'll, we'll leave yeah. it at they are capable. Not making a prediction on that, but they are certainly capable. So visit FanDuel.com/slash/lockedon to bet all this and more from the NFL with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, time for some mailbag questions. YouTube comments and Twitter always available. If you want priority mailbag questions, though, join the Locked On Ducks subtext that's in the description on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the show uh, on podcast as well. We start there because one of the benefits of being there, you get priority mailbag questions. So uh, this one from uh, from a subtext subscriber. Uh, We'll start with the one for Zach specifically. How does he come up with good creative questions that will get a good response from Dan Lanning? The floor is yours, Zach. Oh, man, that's tough. It um, is tough. <laughs> you know, we've only had, I mean, this is the second season with Lanning, so you, it's still a, a process kind of figuring out what he will and will not answer. But at this point, I feel like we're pretty comfortable knowing what he won't answer. Um, if you ask him to get into any injury stuff, obviously he's not going to answer that. Um, you know, anything with schematics, you kind of know what you're going to get. He's going to tell you, you know, we worked hard. We're, we're trying to do this. We're trying to, we're drilling this. We're trying to get better. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I I'm still, it's still a learning process for sure. I felt really good on Monday. I asked him about the, uh, um, the uniforms that we would get this week. If there was going to be any nod to Hawaii, since there's such a, a I thought there should have been. connection. I know there should have been. And I mean, I, he didn't really give me an answer. He said, I don't know. I have zero idea what we're wearing, but um, you know, that's a, that's a funny answer. At least I think that he's, <laughs> he took it pretty well. And um, I don't know. Landing is, I, I really enjoy covering him. He's a, a very nice guy. I've been able to talk to him a little bit outside of football and he's, he's just a, a really genuine person. He is what he looks like. I mean, he, everyone says he's a super nice guy and very fun to be around. And I've, I've experienced that as well. So um, but as far as asking him entertaining and interesting questions, that's still a, a process to kind of figure out what the perfect uh, model is, because I don't know, he, some days there's good days, some days there's bad days, as with anybody. Right. And that that's a transition to the next question that came in via, via subtext, which is about that kind of testy answer he gave about, you know, well, how do the defense play better? I mean, when the offense doesn't get a first, they played better when the offense doesn't get first downs and everyone was all up in arms about it. And yeah, I, I mean, I mean, my reaction to it was like, I, they probably didn't have a great day of practice or he's <laughs> annoyed or he's tired of answering questions about his defense because he's had to do it, you know, all, all of fall camp and whatnot. Does he seem more kind of relaxed now compared to what, what he was before the season started? Like, I think part of it, too, he was just anxious to get the football season, you know, actually underway. We all were at that point, like that, that interview whole session after that. I think that was the third scrimmage of fall camp. We were all tired. 
I mean, we had all been asking the same questions for three or four weeks because we hadn't been seeing practice. We hadn't been seeing scrimmages. So yes, he was tired of answering those, those questions from us each week. We were kind of tired of asking him because at that point we all just wanted to see some actual football on the field, um, actually see them play someone that was not in a green and yellow uniform. So um, yeah, I, I was not surprised at that answer from him, but he's, you know, he, he has done a little bit better. Um, it was interesting to see after the, all of that, that backlash on social media for whatever that's worth. Um, the next time he did talk to us, he was in a very chipper mood and he was very talkative and willing to answer anything we asked. So um, who knows if he saw any of that or someone got in his ear and said, Hey, maybe, maybe be a little bit nicer to these media members. But um, no, I, I think that he, he does really well. And um, you know, it's, it's not his job to tell the fans about, everything the inner workings i had joey we, we want to know i know we we, I, we we want to know but i i don't know that we're necessarily entitled to know yeah i had this exact conversation with joey harrington on my podcast uh yesterday it came out today and he was saying like you know this is it's not up to lanning to tell you everything about the inner workings of the feel like of the program like yes you may want to know but you're in no way entitled to that information you're not a part of the team you're a part of the fan base and the culture and the family but you don't need to know about the inner workings the depth chart and the injury report and all of that so um, i don't blame landing any bit for that i think if i was a college coach i'd probably operate in quite the same way as well yeah, it, you know, drew comparisons. I think Aaron Fentress compared it to, you know, Chip Kelly, who was always very short with the media and whatnot. And my takeaway was, well, I, I, I never cared that Chip was a little yeah. bit short with the media or not an easy interview. Like I, you know, do play by play for Southern Utah University and every coach that I talk to is different. I know that for some coaches, I have to be more prepared with questions to get the necessary amount of content I need than others. Some coaches I can go in with like two thoughts in my head and they will give me 10 to 15 minutes. And some coaches I need like eight questions to get 10 minutes yep. worth of stuff. Like everybody is different. And at the end of the day, Chip Kelly was short with the media and whatnot, but guess what? He won football games. So I didn't really care yeah, <laughs> as, exactly. long, as long as you're winning football games at the rate that we expect. Um, that that's kind of what, what matters, what, what matters most there. Uh, a couple more quick questions to wrap up today's show. Cause I know you got to go. Do you think we see Austin Novosad against Hawaii at all? Like I think Ty Thompson's almost a certainty, but I wonder how they're managing that situation because you're playing backups with a with an eye to who could get in the game for this year. Well, that'd probably be Ty Thompson, but there, there's not zero percent of your mental thought that's going towards towards 2024, right? I think that's yeah a very fair question. I honestly would rather not see Novosad. I I want to see Thompson. I want to see as much Thompson as we can. I hope he gets two full quarters to play and just gets that'd to awesome. put it all out there and show what he can do. I mean, to your point, the the coaching staff has to play it a little bit fair and say, hey, you two are on an even playing field going into 2024 for that starting QB spot. We need to give you both an opportunity to show something. So, um, yes, if they put backups in, Ty will get the first reps for sure. Um, if they do it early enough, then I can see them putting Austin Novoset in afterwards. But um, if it were my call, I think that Ty obviously – is closer to being that starter ready caliber quarterback. So I want to see him. I want to get him over the line to be that starter caliber quarterback before we worry about Austin. But you know, the coaching it's, it's going to be a true meritocracy. So whoever the best guy is should get the job. So I think they need to give 
both an opportunity to show it, even though that's maybe not what I want to see. I, I think if Ty is clearly the backup, like if there's a battle for the backup, then have him alternate drives. But if Ty Thompson's clearly your backup quarterback, you want him as prepared as possible in the event that Bo Nix gets hurt, which by the way, we thought at one point in time, Ty Thompson would start against Utah last year. So if that were to happen again for a game, I'd want Ty to be as ready as possible. So I, you know, am intrigued by Novosad. By no way am I, you know, anti. I, I've been very optimistic about his starting potential mm-hmm. one day for the Ducks. I've liked what I've seen from him so far. But if Ty Thompson's clearly your backup, I think you give him all the reps you can uh, in the event that he's got to come in in a situation later this year. Finally, before we get out of here, uh, this question came from Evan about landing a guy that uh, that you cover closer than I do, Zach. A lot of coaches are known for their recruitment skills, in-game schemes, or their player development. Where do you think Lanning fits into that as his skills as a coach? I'll, I'll start and say I, I think recruiting is number one, and I think for schemes and player development, I honestly think we're too early into his tenure to say which one has differentiated themselves in terms of which trade is stronger for him. I think we can clearly say back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes, like that that's where, or at least in the ballpark of that with 2023 and 24, I, I think that's clearly his strongest element to this point, but it's still so early in the Dan Lanning era. Yeah, I would say the exact same thing. I mean, he's proven himself as a strong recruiter. I know that um, some fans may be a little bit frustrated with the current 2024 class. It's, you know, going in, I mean, a few months ago, we thought there was four or five, five stars that we thought would be on the team so far. And they're kind of, I don't want to say slipping because, you know, nothing is is finalized until pen hits paper in December. So there's still a chance that this could be a really, really good class. Um, some thought it would, might be like the best class that Oregon's ever had, a top five class. That might be a stretch at this point, but I think they can easily get back in the top 10. Yes, so he is a, a good recruiter. And like you said, it's just we've got too small of a sample size as far as player development and schemes go. Um, I know his first year looked really good. There were a couple, obviously, down moments against Washington and Oregon State. You want his coaching to be a little bit better there. But he also has done a really good job of filling out his coaching staff with more experience and more veteran presences. You got uh, Mike Cavanaugh as a 35-year offensive line coach who's now an assistant on the team. Um, so he's, I think he's knows his own flaws i guess you would say and is willing to you know try and work on that and try and gain some experience and put some some knowledgeable guys around him but as far as development goes and player development i think it's too early to see um i I think it's heading in a really good direction i like a lot of the talent he's brought in and you look at the level of production that we've gotten from true freshmen this year and young guys that came in as recruits for landing they're playing really well i mean julio florence was one of the best guys on the field last week that was in my head and he's, I mean, that's a landing guy through and through, and he's making plays right now. And you look at the number of, I think it was 23 true freshmen that played against Portland State. I think there was closer to like 13 to 17 or something against Texas Tech true freshmen that played. I mean, there's a lot of young guys getting reps and making meaningful contributions. So um, I think it's it's heading in the right direction as far as player development goes, but it's still a little bit too early to tell. Yeah, I, I had Florence in my head all the way because I liked his upside a lot last year. And he was one of Oregon's two starting corners against Texas Tech. We'll see if he's one of the first to take the field uh, against Hawaii tomorrow. But uh, I, I think there is upside there 
as to, you know, can Lanning develop these guys and the sorts of players we need them to be all conference caliber players after you bring in a highly rated recruit. We know he can do the first part. Just a quick note on recruiting Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman, Scott Oregon in his top three uh, in, in that hunt. So, um, I would love for Oregon to, to land him for sure. Zach Neal is at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter, host of the Scoving Long podcast and the uh, managing editor of Ducks Wire for USA Today, covering the Ducks. I'm sure you'll be in Eugene for the game. I am envious of you, my friend, but thank you for taking the time. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. This is fun. Appreciate it. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the game, and as always, go Ducks.